Coming up on Studios America, I'll talk about El Salvador's new currency with the brilliant Ovik Roy. He's policy editor at Forbes. It's Bitcoin talk time. A California mayor wants to charge you to utilize your Second Amendment rights. That seems totally fine. I can't see a reason why you, you couldn't do that. We'll get into that story. And you would think a white man using the N-word would face some form of cancel culture. I mean, it's overtaking the country, isn't it? Well, I guess you don't have to face that if you're the president's son. So let's do liberal racism. Stu does America. So would it be easy to spend every minute of every show complaining about the media? Yes. Yes, it would be. Would that be productive? Hmm. Let me try it first and I'll get back to you. I'm completely out of my mind right now at the hypocrisy of the media. It's overwhelming, maybe worse than I've ever seen it. Let's start here. Hunter Biden. If you're lucky enough to pay attention to conservative media, then you may be aware that Hunter Biden, the son of the president of the United States, has been cl- <laughs> he's been calling his lawyer the N word. Uh, I don't I can't explain why, but he's been doing it in text, uh, first uncovered by the Daily Mail. I'll outline you one of, the, for one of these conversations, but I, I should warn you, first of all, it's a bit explicit, and it is probably the single most bizarre conversation I have ever read in my entire life. But this is what it says. Hunter, where do you find the unconditional love then, George, talking to George, his lawyer. George, who seems like a really nice guy, says, God loves unconditionally. Bo, that of course is Hunter Biden's brother, who's deceased. Bo loves you unconditionally. Children are too young to understand what it means, but you will show them. George says there are ideals of unconditional love that serve as proxies. I don't have many. You, God. Now, what an incredibly nice and deep thing to say. Hunter replies, oh my Oh my God, N-word. <laughs> just so out of nowhere. Oh my God, N-word. Uh, did you just, uh, just, I think, use a fictional character from the imagination of the collective frightened? By the way, that's his description of God. This, this devout Catholic is describing God as a, as a, uh, a figure of imagination of the collective frightened. Uh, and my dead brother's unconditional love is what I should rely on. And my kids aren't children, George. George then replies, my parents' love was conditioned. Hunter then replies, my penis, as of late, has been unconditional. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know why he would throw that in there. And I don't know what he's saying. Is he saying there's no active lesions? What's he saying? There, I don't know. Now, George, after getting the comment about his privates, continues to be serious and says, that's why we are searching. And then Hunter replies, for my penis. This is legitimately the dumbest conversation that has ever occurred. And like, I don't have access to all of them, but I still know it's the dumbest conversation 
that has ever occurred. Okay, so Hunter says the line again about his junk. Then George replies, and we will always be searching. And then Hunter says, it's a big penis, George. <laughs> what a... I don't know. Can we go? I can't even. Can we go on? Hunter says, it's big. They always find it. And I only love you because you're black. George, who has been like legitimately trying to walk him through some terribly tragic, like internal conflict, says, finally just breaks down and says, it's so annoying when you interject with frivolity. And Hunter replies, true dat, n-word. But I'm done with my rant. Thank God he's done with his rant. Can you believe that guy does drugs? I wonder how they initially detected that. I'm sure everyone around the family was equally stunned. What is not at all stunning is that absolutely no one in the mainstream media has taken the time to bother commenting or writing about these texts. The industry that single-handedly exists to cancel people who say naughty words can't even muster one story about Hunter Biden. The news networks and papers and websites that spend all day telling white people who live in trailer parks that they suffer from some racist white privilege can't see anything interesting in the single most privileged person in the known universe letting the N-word fly. Nothing. Nothing to see here. No major mentions or reports from any of the big mainstream sources. So let's examine why. Is there any way this makes sense? Let's use the New York Times for an example. Question number one, would the New York Times cover this if it had happened to a similar person on the other side of the aisle? I can't believe I even have to go through this, but first of all, there really is no equivalent person on the other side of the aisle. If any of the Trump kids are doing crack, they seem to leave a lot less of it on the dashboard of their rental car when they return it. And they seem to impregnate strippers and deny fatherhood at a much lower rate. But if you want to find an equivalent, let's say pick a kid, let's say texts come out with Eric Trump hitting, a company, hitting up a company lawyer while throwing around the N-word and talking about his junk. Do you think the Times might cover it? I'm pretty sure that they would. Question number two, is it possible they're just not interested in Hunter Biden under any circumstances? Maybe you can make that argument. Well, sorry, no. In fact, they just wrote about Hunter Biden while giving him an opportunity to promote his book with very few tough questions. They'd allowed him to talk uninterrupted about his troubles in his life, included his hard hitting uh, details about all of his troubles, not to mention a little bit of color about how he used to work with llamas and otters during his first job at the zoo. <laughs> That's such a fun one. How about question number three? Would they have a problem with someone using the N-word? Well, we definitely have an answer to that one. They sure would have a problem with that. How do we know? Well, they fired Donald McNeil for using the N-word in response to a question from a teenager about the use of racist language. Now, McNeil's usage of the word was not even nearly as offensive as Hunter Biden's. He wasn't flippantly using it for laughs. He was asked by a teenager if one of their friends should get in trouble for using the N-word, and McNeil asked a pretty reasonable question. 
how was it used? Was it used in a hateful way? Or was it quoting a lyric or something? He gave an example using the word. They fired him. Years later, by the way, not right after the incident, years later, they fired their lead reporter on COVID-19 over wokeness. The biggest reporter on the biggest story and a regular on their flagship podcast, they fired him for nothing. But Hunter Biden doesn't even get a quick mention. He worked there, Donald McNeil, at the Times for almost half a century, and they blew him out over one quick non-racist use of that word. So they do seem to find it notable. So question four, maybe, just maybe, they just don't care about Hunter Biden because he was just jokingly using the N-word as a friendly nickname. Could that be it? Of course not. In fact, in December, the New York Times ran a front page story about a random Virginia cheerleader who posted a three second video when she was celebrating acquiring her learner's permit so that she could drive a car. She said, I can drive, N-word. It was not actually directed at an African-American and she only did it once, not multiple times like Hunter Biden. Oh, and she was a freshman in high school when she did it. Oh, and she was quite clearly not a public figure in any way. And they put her on the front page of the paper. She was thrown off the cheerleading team and withdrew from college over this. By the way, no big deal. One more life ruined. Who cares? The Times did print her side of the story, at least. She said, quote, at the time, I didn't understand the severity of the word or the history and the context behind it because I was so young, she said in a recent interview, adding that the slur was in all the songs we listen to, and I'm not using that as an excuse. <sighs> Look, I'm stretching here, honestly. I'm looking for any possible justification for the Times and a million other sources to avoid covering Hunter Biden. And I can't find one other than pure, naked partisanship. Now, do I think this is a particularly important story? Not really. Do I really think it makes Hunter Biden racist? I mean, not really. He's doing something obviously dumb, but that's probably more about his drug addiction and alcoholism than his racism. He may be racist, I don't know, but I don't think jokingly using a word that, you know, in that way, the way he used it means that he's a racist per se. That's just not the point here. It didn't matter that a freshman teenager in Virginia also wasn't actually racist. They made sure the world knew about her mistakes. And it didn't even matter that their own employee of 40 plus years wasn't actually racist. They made sure his career was destroyed too. And there's a thousand other examples of this. If you want to conclude conservatives who have been unfairly targeted, we'd never get to the end of the list. I don't care if Hunter Biden uses bad words. I already think so little of him. My opinion could not be more damaged. But this is an utter and indefensible hypocrisy. And we have no choice but to point that hypocrisy out, because if we don't, no one will. The housing market right now, it's rebounding. We're coming out of like the COVID doldrums. 
people are out, they're going out again, they're, they've got money to spend. I mean, the government's throwing money all over the place. Maybe the economy is bouncing back. People want to go buy a home right now, so the market is going crazy. That's a time to be excited if you're selling and to be really careful if you're buying. Either way, you need a real estate agent you can trust, someone who knows what repairs need to be done in your house. Maybe, I mean, do you want to paint the house? I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to just say, you know what? Right now, the market's going so crazy. Let's just let other people come in here. They can pick the colors. I'm not going to go through all that hassle. Decisions like that are really important. You need someone who knows the market. You need someone who knows the area. You need someone who can look at what's on the market right now, what your competition is, what other similar homes are going for. All that information needs to be crunched in a brain somewhere. You need to find the right brain. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that brain. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm happy to welcome back to the program Ovik Roy. He is the president of the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity and a senior advisor to the Bipartisan Policy Center. Ovik, how's it going? Hey, Stu, how are you? Really Very well. Interesting day. Yeah, really interesting day. I, you know, I don't think people realize what a big deal this is. We, we, you know, I, as we've, you know, I've been talking about cryptocurrency for a long time. I think it's a really interesting thing. And one of these things that kind of has always been dangling out there in the future was a thought that at some point, some small country, maybe with a, a, an economy that's not so stable and wanting to change things up and invite investment, would adopt Bitcoin as part of their real economy. And it seems like this is actually happening. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of the Bitcoin story or the cryptocurrency story more broadly, this is the most important development of the year and possibly of the decade. This is something, as you alluded to, Stu, that people didn't expect to happen for another 10 years for a sovereign country to adopt Bitcoin as its national currency, to effectively implement a Bitcoin standard like the gold standards of the old days. So this is a huge development. And it's going to have huge consequences for the global financial system, because all it takes is one country to pilot this and prove that it can be done for a lot of other countries to want to do it in the future. It really is amazing. And you, you have an article called El Salvador. By the way, that's the country. El Salvador to make Bitcoin legal tender a milestone in monetary history. It's a great, uh, if you want to go understand this from the beginning to the end, you can go through this story. You point out, in a way, uh, Yes, El Salvador is doing this, but in a way, it's a result of the United States and the actions we've taken over the past year. Can you explain this? Absolutely. So one of the most most important reasons why El Salvador looked at this as, a, as an important step is because right now, El Salvador's official currency is the U.S. dollar. In fact, uh, the El Salvador government imports freshly printed U.S. dollars from the Federal Reserve to supply its own citizens with U.S. dollars. So a lot of Latin American countries have been through currency crises and crises and hyperinflation crises in the past where their currency basically crashed. Venezuela, this has happened to Venezuela recently. A lot of mismanagement of currencies. Um, and, and so an, in, there was a trend a few decades ago uh, of countries adopting the U.S. dollar and saying, you know what, we're just going to, since all of our trade, almost all of our trades with the U.S., let's, uh, instead of, uh, of our own currency, hitch our wagon to the U.S. The U.S. has a stable monetary policy. There's very low inflation. We can count on that. Let's just stick to that. 
But what's happened since COVID is very different from that pattern, where all of a sudden, over the last 15 months, we've had this massive fiscal blowout where the government is spending trillions and trillions of dollars paid for by nothing, basically. Mm -hmm. And then in order to fund that newly issued federal debt, the Federal Reserve is printing U.S. dollars out of thin air to buy that excess debt that the rest of the market world market doesn't want. And so if you're El Salvador, you're like, well, wait a minute. Those dollars are flowing to U.S. banks. Those dollars are flowing to U.S. institutions. They're not flowing to us. All we're seeing is the dollars that we hold have less purchasing power today than they did before. And they're like, we need to make sure that we have a hedge in case uh, there's more inflation in the U.S. and less purchasing power for us. This is really, really incredible. And it's funny because, you know, Bitcoin in many ways was created to fight off problems like this and now it's becoming uh, a currency for a nation because of those types of uh, of things bailouts and, and printing and everything else can you tell us a little bit about the, the 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 leadership of el salvador why are they the ones doing this yeah, so the president of El Salvador is a guy named Naib Bukele or Bukele. He's the son of a Palestinian businessman who emigrated to El Salvador. He's uh, 39 or 40 years old, young guy, millennials, fond of wearing a baseball cap backwards. So a young guy, as we know, Bitcoin and, and crypto tends to be a thing that younger people in the U.S. and around the world are more interested in because they've grown up. In, in, a, in a, their adult lives have been basically surrounded by financial dislocation and crises. So they're much more interested in this stuff, interested in an alternative to the current system. He, he formed a new party a couple of years ago called Nuevas Ideas or New Ideas that basically has a, a two thirds majority in the legislature in, in what they call the National Assembly or uh, and, and then he's the president. So he has he's pretty popular. He has 90 percent approval ratings by independent pollsters, young guy trying to shake things up. And uh, because his party also has this uh, large majority, once he proposed this bill, the likelihood was pretty high that it would pass. And in fact, uh, they shipped it over to the assembly last night and it passed with a three to one majority. So almost three quarters of the assembly voted in favor. It will go into effect in 90 days. Uh, really incredible. And so what does this actually mean for the country? I mean, it's it, they still are going to keep the U.S. dollar, at least that's my understanding. But Bitcoin can be able, you can use it at every store. I mean, it's really going to be that widespread. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was a key thing that they specified. There were a lot of questions after the initial announcement at the Bitcoin conference in Miami of what exactly does this mean that you're going to declare Bitcoin legal tender? Because normally what that means is it's a currency, just like the U.S. dollar. You can use it for uh, paying your taxes. You can use it for paying interest at the bank. And you can use it to buy your groceries, right? And the question was, was he really going to go that far? And in fact, that's what the bill says. The bill actually specifically says every economic agent in El Salvador has to accept Bitcoin as payment. Now, in order to smooth out some of the volatility of Bitcoin, what the country has done is actually very sophisticated. They've actually said, we're going to build this back end where if you if somebody pays you in Bitcoin and you don't want to hold Bitcoin yourself because you're worried that it goes up and down all the time, we're going to build a $150 million trust the government of El Salvador will, that will buy your Bitcoin off of you and give you U.S. dollars at the current market price. And that way, you don't have to hold Bitcoin if you don't want to. But if you want to, you're welcome to. And if over time, Bitcoin appreciates relative to the U.S. dollar, you're probably going to win with that trade. Uh, very true. So one of the things that's interesting about this is that if you, I think around the world, we've seen certain areas 
uh, signal positive uh, intent with Bitcoin and some signal negative intent. I think we're seeing this around the country now where, you know, Miami, for example, uh, the mayor there is, is constantly inviting people, talking to people about Bitcoin, talking about crypto, having conferences there and everything else. Where you see, you know, I would say Biden, certainly Janet Yellen seemed negative. Donald Trump just the other day was on television saying it was basically a scam and it was competing with U.S. currency and he didn't like it. Um, when a country like El Salvador signals something like this, this could make a really big difference uh, for foreign investment and for people just moving there with lots of money. Well, uh, all of the above, you know, I think what's uh, what's been kind of interesting about this whole thing is, you know, the Bitcoin community, one of the things you hear a lot about Bitcoin is, well, I don't know about Bitcoin. I think if it ever gets too big and, and too successful, the U.S. government will ban it. Mm. Right? That's been one of the, the, the concerns or fears or skepticism that's been out there. Well, it's a lot harder to ban if it's the sovereign currency of a, of, of a freestanding country. Right. The, if the U.S. is to say, well, because we don't like Bitcoin, we're going to treat El Salvador the way we treat Iran and basically prevent them from interacting with the global economy. That would be a pretty extraordinary level of interference by the United States at this moment. I mean, yes, historically, the U.S. has uh, has, <laughs> has done plenty of things in Latin America. But in terms of, of this moment, post-Iraq, the idea that we're going to go through that kind of those lengths to prevent El Salvador from having its own currency, that would be pretty hard to understand. And I think a lot of American voters would be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Right. Yeah. So I, I just don't see any appetite in the government for that. And so that's really important because that in and of itself creates a haven for Bitcoin, right? Here in the US, as you said, Janet Yellen doesn't like it. She thinks it's fake internet money. Jay Powell doesn't like it. You know, the SEC and the, and various regulators are, are always complaining about it. So a lot of people who are tech entrepreneurs, Bitcoin entrepreneurs, crypto entrepreneurs in this country are like, why am I here? Why am I doing all this in America when I don't even know if America is behind me when I'm trying to deliver this innovation to the country? You have a country like El Salvador saying, you're welcome over here. Come over with, with everything you got and we'll welcome you with open arms and allow you to not only build your businesses here, but you will not pay any taxes because Bitcoin is the is the local currency. So you won't there's nothing to actually gain. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, regardless of what it does relative to the US dollar. So so that is gonna and, and people just want that sense of endorsement, right? I think the Bitcoin community and the crypto community craves that sense of we're not merely we're not these outsiders we're not these misfits we're actually people building real enterprises and new financial institutions that are more inclusive than the old ones mm. yeah i mean i think that's I, it seems really exciting i i will say i'm very excited about this and i you know i have um it, it does seem like a massive development have you put thought into the idea, though, that this could actually be somewhat difficult to implement? And could there be problems? Uh, could there? I mean, you know, the thought popped into my head of like, you've got your whole Bitcoin, you know, balance on your phone. You know, who knows what kind of criminal, uh, you know, sort of elements could, you know, there's a lot of corruption uh, in Central America, as we know. Is there is there a, is a thought that this could go badly and then other countries aren't going to want to do it? Uh, I mean, that's certainly something to uh, to pay attention to. But I think what's really impressive about the El Salvador uh, uh, project is how well that's all been thought through. So one of the things a lot of people don't know, obviously, El Salvador has just popped into the news this weekend on this topic. 
But uh, people in El Salvador have been building Bitcoin native communities for a long time. There's a there's a famous experiment called Bitcoin Beach, where basically a bunch of crypto entrepreneurs moved to this uh, this beachfront area called El Zante, a surf town in uh, in El Salvador. And basically, with some philanthropic donations, built this community of people who got paid in Bitcoin, shopped for their groceries in Bitcoin, paid for their surfing lessons in Bitcoin. And it was that experiment that's been going on for several years uh, and has been working that actually emboldened the Salvadoran government to take that pilot project nationwide. So they've actually solved a lot of these problems already. And the way their their uh, their Bitcoin system will work is, you know, if if um, if you go to a grocery store and you want to pay a dollar for a bag of tomatoes and it's one dollar in USD, you you send the money with your app, kind of like you would with the Square app or the Venmo app or something like that, and the money is is transmitted from you to the grocer in Bitcoin but it can be instantly converted back to US dollars if that's what you want. If you don't want to hold the Bitcoin on your balance sheet or in your account, you can convert it back to dollars. And in fact, uh, what President Bukele said last night is that the Salvadoran government is going to be establishing a $150 million trust that will buy the Bitcoins off of you and give you US dollars in exchange at the market rates so that you don't have to hold the Bitcoin in your balance sheet. So they, they've been thinking this through, and, and there's an exemption to the rule, the requirement that you have to accept Bitcoin if you live in a place that doesn't have broadband or you don't have a smartphone for some reason. So they're, they're trying to basically say, look, we're going we're gonna to make sure that everyone has access to the technology, and if you don't, we're going to give you some time to get adapted to it, and we're going to do all the things we need to do to support the 70% of the, the Salvadoran population that doesn't have bank accounts today. So this is a massive step for including those individuals into the financial system who don't have bank accounts today. And it's gonna do a lot, I think, to reduce crime because you know you know what the, the best tool for crime is? Paper US dollars, right? <laughs> that you, you, you stick in a suitcase and you give to someone because no one can trace that. Bitcoin transactions can be traced. That's why the FBI was able to nail the colonial pipeline hackers just uh, recently, right? That announcement came out yesterday, the day before, because Bitcoin transactions all get sent like an email from one address to another address to another address. And if you're pretty sophisticated about tracking that, you can track where the money goes. So I would actually bet that corruption in El Salvador will decline as a result of adopting Bitcoin, not the other way around. Yeah, people always think that Bitcoin's uh, this really secretive. I mean, if you want a, a privacy coin, there's Zcash, there's Monero, there are options in that world. Uh, but Bitcoin isn't like that exactly. I mean, it's there are privacy elements to it. If you, but as soon as you know the address, you can track lots of stuff when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, one more thing, uh, before I let you go, and this is me just. Uh, with a good old burst of American exceptionalism here. And I feel like I'm being dinged a little bit in my American exceptionalism. As I see, you know, we're, we, I, I've been thinking about this report that came out from ProPublica Pro this week where uh, they, you know, are going after all these rich people, these evil rich people for not paying enough taxes. We seem to have come to a point in America where we vilify people who are, who are the creators, who are the people who have earned uh, lots of money and they might be wealthy, but they've brought a lot to the, to the country and, and to the economy. And here's El Salvador doing the exact opposite. They're saying, hey, we want you if you're innovative if, if you if you're if you're thinking in a, in a different way we want you to come here and I, I just don't like how El Salvador is outdoing the United States in a way here 
I think there's very good potential that 10 years from now, Stu, if we're, we're sitting at this table uh, virtually or in, in person, that we're going to be saying that El Salvador is an economically freer country than the United States. That's the tipping point that we're now at, wow. where you file your tax returns with the Internal Revenue Service, you have zero assurance that those uh, those tax returns are staying confidential uh, in some IRS file cabinet, right? They're all digital. They can be unlocked by who knows how many people or even uh, uh, disclosed in a hack. Um, and yet you have the Biden administration saying, we actually want to give the IRS more power uh, to basically tr- vacuum up every single transaction you make with your bank accounts and your credit cards so that we can track every single thing you do and make sure you're paying exactly what you need to be paying in taxes. That's what the Biden administration wants to do. And I guarantee you, if that happens, then there will be no privacy left in the United States. And I think a lot of people will want to move to places like El Salvador, where even though Bitcoin is traceable, you have a lot more privacy under that system than you have under ours. Mm. Well, I, I, I feel like this was, is a positive story. I'm really excited about it. I hate to end it on sort of a down note, but maybe this is a wake-up call uh, for the United well, let States. Me, let me give you the positive spin. Yeah. The positive spin is this, okay? Think about all the people who are moving from San Francisco to Texas or from New York to Miami, mm. because those places are welcoming to businesses and have a zero state income tax, right? right? That's a form of competition, jurisdictional competition, people moving from a high tax jurisdiction to a low tax jurisdiction. And it inspires other states to lower their taxes to lure those people back, right? Something similar can be true of the US dollar and Bitcoin. If Latin America, if other places become places where the currency does better because it can't be inflated away like the Federal Reserve is doing with the U.S. dollar. Maybe that helps the U.S. government realize that it needs to strengthen the U.S. dollar, make it more of a store of value to bring those people back and retain the people we already have. Well, as, I, as someone watching the Texas housing market, uh, I can tell you that, yes, there's a lot of people making those decisions right now. There's some good news. Ovik Roy, a president of the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity and senior advisor to the Bipartisan Policy Center. Ovik, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thanks, too. Thanks for doing America with me. We're doing a great job so far, but we're not quite finished yet. Get involved over at my Instagram page, at America. I have exclusive picks, content, the link in the bio. They'll get you all the episodes completely free. Or uh, consider helping us here at Blaze TV fight against conservative censorship with your very own account. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. And I'd love to see you on the podcast as well. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review five Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Today's show, I don't think after reading the Hunter Biden texts, we can go any lower than today's show. And I apologize to Ovik Roy, who's like a really serious person for happening to be on the same episode. Um, But I will say, since we're already uh, as low as the Hunter Biden texts, we might as well do the the Jeffrey Tubin attempt uh, to reclaim his career. He did it today on CNN. Here's how it went. Let's bring in CNN chief legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin to talk about this and more. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while, indeed. I feel like we should address um, <laughs> what's happened in no. the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has happened. So uh, I guess I'll recap. I'll do the honors. <laughs> Help yourself. Okay. <laughs> Help yourself about um, the right frame. In October. Uh, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from the New Yorker magazine, 
Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. I just... Uh, you were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there. And you, since then, have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right. Sad to say. Okay, so let's start there. Okay. Um, to <laughs> quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much. And um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense, because nothing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You so, thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible, but I mean that that is part of that that is part of the story. Um, and, you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life, I can certainly mm -hmm. confess, mm -hmm. um, trying to be a better person. I mean, in therapy, trying to do some public Don't service, um, working in a food bank, which I certainly am going to continue to do, a food bank, working on no, a new book about the Oklahoma City bombing, but I am trying to become <laughs> the kind of person <laughs> that people can trust again. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, he promotes his book. I got a book coming up. Uh, you guys should buy my book. Uh, he also uh, says he works at a food bank, which I don't know what. And look, you don't need therapy for a situation like this. You need a better IT person. That's what you need. That's it. You just need to know how to turn the stupid camera off. That's it. So anyway, Jeffrey Tubin is back in your life for far left legal analysis. I, again, Hunter Biden doesn't even get a story on any of this stuff. Jeffrey Tubin not only uh, somehow gets a, a, a friendly interview, but actually keeps his job, which I mean, it's the way of the world, I suppose. Um, let me give you, we're, we're down this weird road already. I wanted to get to the story so badly yesterday and we didn't get a chance to do it. But there's a new thing breaking out online and it, it revolves around Indiana Jones. So Indy. Uh, has a, apparently he's doing another movie and in some ways I'm, I'm not excited about that because uh, of a crystal skull which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life uh, but on the other hand it's good if they don't end on a crystal skull maybe they'll have a couple of good moments in this next one uh, but because people are going back kind of like reliving the old movies which we all love with the exception of, of course crystal skull uh, people are noticing something in a scene <laughs> that I've seen a hundred times and never thought of before. Watch this again and see if you notice what's going on here. Hello, Marion. Indiana Jones. Always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. So what are you doing here in Nepal? I need one of the pieces your father collected. I learned to hate you in the last 10 years. I never meant to hurt you. I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong and you knew it. You knew what you were doing. Now I do. This is my place. Get out. Mohan, Temigaru, Bolianu. I did what I did. You don't have to be happy about it, but maybe we can help each other out now. Hmm. You knew what you were doing. I was only a child. You knew what you were doing. Hmm. So anyway, people are starting to put together the math here 
And the actress who you saw there uh, playing uh, Marion said, uh, I think I was 16. I don't know. That's always what I imagined. She was 16. He was 26. And he was her father's student. And it was left very mysterious. We don't even know what it is. I mean, they could have kissed a few times and she was just completely bowled over. And he could have not just wanted to get involved with someone so young. And maybe my father would have been furious at him. Do you think? Maybe. Uh, I mean, what, uh, what's great about it is we don't know what the circumstances are. I don't think of him as a pedophile. And that's good. At least we don't think Indiana Jones is a pedophile. Isn't that wonderful? By the way, speaking of pedophiles, uh, Anthony Weiner is back on Confide. I'm glad he's back on the app. That's the app he got caught texting and sexting with a 15-year-old. So he's back on there. He's doing fine. You know, maybe tomorrow, you know, let's tomorrow, let's uh, dig out the Anthony Weiner campaign ad that we made a long time ago because it's Friday and I think we might just need to have that one. Let's hold on to this. Anthony Weiner campaign ad coming your way tomorrow. Back in a second. Uh, what a show this is today. If you're trying to stay fit and healthy, you've probably discovered, as I have, that you need to not eat crap all the time. It's a, it's a minor detail. They don't tell you about it uh, at the beginning of your life. But yeah, you know, everything can't be fried. I know. So you need something that's delicious. Maybe something that gives you, you know, a little bit of a, a soothing of the sweet tooth. Well, Built Bar can do that, and it can do that in a healthy way. Uh, it's, it's covered in real chocolate. It's low in calories. It's high in protein. It's high in fiber. It's low in carbs. It's got all the stats the way you want them for whatever diet you're on. Uh, or if you're not dieting at all, it just tastes great because Built Bars go taste first. All these great flavors. They've got birthday cake that's out now. There's a grasshopper cookie thing they've got going on. They got one that's like a Charleston chew. They got cookies and cream. They've got raspberry, all these fruit flavors. It's fantastic. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code STU15 to save 15% off your first order. And also, that's how they know you like this stupid show. Promo code is STU15 for 15% off right now at BuiltBar.com. It's BuiltBar.com. San Jose, uh, there's a mayor there who is uh, going after the Second Amendment. Uh, mayor Sam Licardo, he's got a new initiative out after there was a mass shooting there, as we've uh, talked about uh, recently. He says, if we cannot stop the horrors of gun violence on our cities, at least we're going to have the public stop paying for it. Second Amendment protects the right of Americans to own guns, but it does not require that every other taxpayer pay for that right. Requiring gun users to pay fees will help fund critical emergency medical and police response and reduce our taxpayer burdens. That's such a great window into the mind of someone who wants to go after the Second Amendment. They blame gun owners for the shooting. The person who did the shooting is responsible for the shooting. Now, he happens to have a gun, but that does not mean that Bob down the street uh, or Jesus down the other street, who are legal gun owners and didn't do anything wrong, that they should be punished for what this guy did. Just like if someone's driving erratically and runs people over, you don't have to go say, well, you know what, we're going to put all these fees on drivers because this guy was an erratic driver. You might say, well, they do insure drivers, and that's true. I will say this, though. Slight difference. Driving, not a constitutionally protected right. In fact, you can't really compare uh, guns with anything that isn't a constitutionally protected right. You know, speech, 
<laughs> you know, there's there's very few things uh, that you can compare it with. Uh, you know, there was a there, back in the day, there was a pretty nasty effort by some, particularly in the South, to stop black people from voting. And the way they did that was they gave them, uh, among other things, poll taxes. Poll taxes. No, you could, of course you can vote. You just got to pay the poll tax. You got to go through these little, uh, these little uh, quizzes to make sure you know enough. And of course, they'd make them impossible for African-Americans to pass or pay for. Um, that was obviously wrong and, and unconstitutional. And the same thing applies with, with, with your Second Amendment rights. They can't price you out of the market. They just can't do it. Uh, this is the type of thing that will get overturned in court eventually. But it's not really what it's about. It's about this guy raising his profile. That's what it's about. It's about this guy raising his profile so you know who he is and he can get on MSNBC and, and rant about the Second Amendment. Uh, is it a good thing? No, but it's very, it's, it's very much in the center of where we are in 2021. Uh, but that's, uh, that's not something you can do. You can, shall not be infringed doesn't mean you get to charge exorbitant fees to execute a right. When it's a right, you just get to do it. And that's what's so great about having rights. Back in a second. After spending last summer on the sidelines, we're all ready to get back out there and make this year's lounge season an epic one. So Bespoke Post is here to take your sand, your sun, your surf game to the next level with a new lineup of must-have box of awesome collections for guys. From breezy summer styles and grooming goods to travel and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. I will say, Father's Day is right around the corner. If you haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet, you got to get something actually good. Go to boxofawesome.com. There's a quiz there. Uh, you know, if your dad or whatever can do it, you can do it for yourself. Get the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. No matter what you like, they've got something for you. And each box costs only 45 bucks. But I will tell you, there's, they say minimum of $70 worth of gear inside. I've never seen one that low. There's tons of stuff. It's awesome. Uh, it's Box of Awesome. Get 20% off your monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout. Boxofawesome.com. The code is STU for 20% off your first box. What a weird freaking show today. Uh, I appreciate you making it all of this time to the end. You're the kind of the cool kids club, so we do appreciate that uh, very much. Uh, remember to rate and review the podcast. Five stars is the appropriate numbers, uh, number of stars. And, you know, give me a quick review. It's great. Whatever. Maybe don't reference this particular episode. <laughs> we'll just forget about it together. Let me give you a couple stories here before we go. <laughs> all right. Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> I can't. Apparently, uh, she's on a talk show and she steamed her vagina on, on the show. I, um, I could have given you a clip of, of that, but I don't hate you. So I did not give you a clip of that, but it's out there. I would say Google at your own risk. Uh, please don't do that. Also, we have a Las Vegas woman who has broken a world record. What I'm sure you're very in tune with, she has crushed three watermelons in seven and a half seconds with her thighs. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with the news today? It's bro. The news is broken. It's not fake news. It's broken news. No more. 
Tomorrow, we're gonna, I'm just going to show you graphs. That's it. All day tomorrow. Okay, Stu does merch. You should go there. Support the show, because they may very well pull it off after today. Uh, you get the uh, Don't Be a LeBron t-shirt. Get the uh, Nancy Pelosi Sucks pens. All the stuff is there. All of our merch. There's new stuff coming in just a couple of days. Don't miss it. StuDoesMerch.com. May God have mercy on our souls.